Following a partner to a foreign country, new city or rural community can impact your career, network and access to continuing education. Brunch is a podcast from the Trailing Spouse Co, where I, your host Joe Palmer, chat with trailing spouses from all over the world. Brunch is a chance to meet trailing spouses, hear their stories, the highs, the lows, as well as advice, tips and tricks to get the most out of your trailing spouse experience. In this episode, I speak with Kathy, an expat originally from the UK, who has had a really interesting journey becoming a trailing spouse after she moved herself to Asia. After time in Singapore, Bangkok, and then back to Singapore, Kathy talks about the highs and lows of moving from a career woman to trailing spouse, and then on to becoming a business owner. I really hope you enjoy this chat. so much for joining us today Kathy let's jump straight in who are you where are you from and where are you based now hi and thank you so much Joe. I'm so excited to chat about all this stuff I am Kathy Kathy Rougier uh, I'm originally from the UK uh, originally from the countryside moved to London to do my degree and then became a city girl and in my early 30s found myself single um when I thought I wasn't meant to be and decided that I needed to do something change things up um I was in insurance specializing in corporate insurance in Asia and Asian clients I thought well that's a good start I'll move to Asia uh, I looked at Hong Kong I was like well, I don't, I'm never going to learn a language um so Singapore was the obvious choice I had a lot of contacts here I'd been traveling on business here before So I came for one month initially to scope the place out, told my then boss, so I managed to get myself like a one month secondment, told my boss, hey, just so you know, I'm staying whether you like it or not. So offer me a job or I'll be looking. Um, And both happened. I looked and they offered me a job, but I decided to change companies. So I went home, resigned, and a couple of months later was back out in Singapore um single footloose and fancy free and working my absolute ass off (laughs) I love it so as far as like the trailing spouse goes you actually were trailing the job initially to start 100% (laughs) it was the opposite it was running away from the the potential spouse in in the UK (laughs) um classic Classic, classic. So how, what what year are we sort of talking? Like how long, how long ago? 2011. So a while ago, a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a through and through expat, I guess now. And so talk us through then, um, like you said, your traveling spouse is a little different, your story to, um, to, to some other people that we've spoken to. So talk us through what happened next. What was the career trajectory the love trajectory yeah yeah um so career trajectory early doors out here was absolutely amazing um it, it definitely as a corporate female uh, when there's kind of nothing in your way back then you know eps were being issued easily all of that and salaries were you know on the increase people were look still looking for expats and uh, my world was was good. Uh, I also had like expat friends throughout the region. Um, 
cue the falling in love actually because uh, uh, a long in fact a friend of mine from probably the first week I was in insurance back in London um, he worked for the same company he moved to Bangkok basically the same time I moved to Singapore pure coincidence um, and we developed a book of business together you're equals literally equals like he produced the business in Bangkok he sent it to me I wholesaled it in Singapore we were a really really good team um, we were a really good team that yeah probably too good I guess come in because <laughs> yeah, um, we got closer and closer and closer um, uh, and yeah we we ended up realizing that we'd fallen in love so I had to tell my boss in Singapore um, that yeah there'd been uh, yeah that the business trips had taken a different turn whenever I went to Bangkok <laughs> and that we needed to disclose this uh so I had to I stepped away from my Thailand book of business was the first thing that happened but that's like a corporate um you know thing that would have happened anyway regardless of being an expat so I started to separate myself from that book of business and then we looked at what was going to be the best decision for us you know moving forward and uh we decided at the time because Singapore is a very, very, it's a hub for insurance. Um, whereas Bangkok, it's a bit more exciting. It's not quite such a hub. There's, there's more opportunities. It's a bit more um, vibrant there. And uh, there's not so many expats floating around. So we decided it would probably be easier for me to, to look there. So we started looking for a role for me so that I would be able to move to Bangkok uh, under my own visa so that marriage wasn't a re requirement for me to be there that happened I found a job I resigned here then I moved to Bangkok um, and that's when I guess the trailing spouse part of my life truly started um, so legitimately there on a visa to start off with um, but then quite soon we decided to get married um, which was still you know married but still actually had a work pass the way it worked in Thailand um, and then it was when we had a family and I decided to stop working was the first time then that I would have moved on to what well, I did. I moved on to a dependent visa basis once I decided to take some time off because maternity leave in Asia is obviously so little. Um, and yeah, I just decided to take the opportunity to take a career break. And from that moment on, um, I had to struggle with the whole dependent pass working visa non-working visa thing initially in Bangkok um but then we moved to Singapore in 2018 my husband got offered a job here we moved to so back for me but first time for my husband uh, and then I had to make a decision was I going to be able to stay a stay-at-home mum or was I going to need to work Singapore being the cost of living that it is and the fact that we'd come back to a place where my name was still very well known I was still very well respected within the industry so without looking I was lucky that the insurance industry were reaching out to me I turned down a few jobs husband wasn't too impressed <laughs> so eventually I got offered one that I was like yeah this could be interesting uh so that was good I was back on an EP for for a while and I have to say oh just just feels like such a relief when you have an EP in your own name. Mm. Um, for, those, really for those that are listening, that an EP is an employment pass that's uh, completely separate to your, your spouse so you can work independently in Singapore. Um, so how many kids have we got at this stage? One. One. One, yeah. One kid. Um, 
oh well, plus five fur babies if that counts but... <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah but no one child so yeah I stepped back into the corporate world um but that ended for me in just after lockdown um interestingly enough nothing to do with COVID but it was a very 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 abrupt end to my insurance career um, and not anticipated um you know it had there was there was there was a situation that arose within the company um and I was got rid of uh but yeah that's a story in itself um yeah and so since then again I, I've been back on a DP since just after lockdown um with COVID yeah so that's a challenge in itself so how have you found going from here is independent woman on own employment pass moving yep. being independent in another country so in Thailand then being dependent in Thailand then moving here being independent again and then back to being dependent yep bit of an emotional roller coaster genuinely genuinely like really uh really hard to put into words because it you know it's just it's all in your head it's that um is that constant reliance? Um, I mean, one thing I would say for anyone listening, the, the lucky thing I had in Singapore, one of the lucky things I had was because I'd already been here, I already had a bank account that I didn't close. So when we came back in 2018, I had just a normal Singapore bank account. It didn't wasn't an international bank, you know, it wasn't attached to my partner in any way, my husband in any way. So I, I saved myself a few of the headaches um, and even little things like um, when I did decide to set up my own business, like I at least had somewhere that people could put money where I could pay things out of that was independent to my husband without even beginning to go into the how do you open a corporate account as someone on a DP in Singapore? <laughs> That's like a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Yes, 100%. Okay, so we've segued in. So um, obviously, so being dependent again for the second time, um, your sort of business ownership journey started. Talk me through what's what are you doing? And how did that sort of all come about? So when we first came, well, I first came back to Singapore in 2018, like I said, I didn't want to work. Um, like as in, I didn't want to go back into the insurance industry. I didn't want to go corporate. Um, so I had trained as a postpartum doula, um, looking after women and helping women in, in all different aspects after having babies. But because in Singapore, if you don't have the appropriate work visa, I had never been able to put it into a money-making business. So I had been helping a few mums along the way, but I'd never had the headspace or the time to dedicate to creating a business out of it so I can earn money. The, literally the day after I abruptly lost my job, um, there was something in me. There was a fire in my belly. Um, <laughs> Um, and I picked up the phone to an agent um, and said, how do I set up a company? Like literally it was the very, very next day without any discussions in-house, which is still a bit of a, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, so I set up my SP, um, got my LOC and Hang on, decide... terms, talk us through. Sorry, yes. So I set up a sole proprietorship. Um, and 
my sole proprietorship, which is now thanks to some regulatory changes that have been happening over the last couple of years, I own that 100% myself. Um, and that company that I own issues me with a letter of consent to work, which is under my dependent pass, which is linked to my husband's employment pass. So uh, I have got caught up in the in the rule changes along the way. There has been a need to um, hire um, locally, either Singaporean or PR, to, in order to renew. And I have renewed my letter of consent. But again, they are always linked to the dependent pass and therefore the employment pass. So the frustration is, should my husband's employment pass ever change or when it is due for renewal? So is my dependent pass. Therefore, so is my letter of consent. So despite the fact that I am a fully legitimate business owner, it is feasible that at any point I might not be allowed to work for my own company. And if there was a relationship breakdown or if yeah. you were wanting to do anything. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, my, my if my husband decided to change jobs um, and I had not met the employment requirements under, you know, the renewals of LOCs, it literally, it could, it could be a sole proprietorship sitting there with no one, well, me not allowed to work for it, um, which would be bizarre, but that's the way things are. <laughs> okay, so I'm laughing, I'm laughing instead of crying, in case anyone watching this is like, well, she seems really chirpy about it. I'm like, no, trust me, the tears happen when I'm not on camera. <laughs> the tears happen. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so talk me through... I'm going to to delve more into the the sort of the challenges around this. So you touched on like the logistics of actually being a business owner and getting all of those things started can be um, pretty challenging. What did you find has been a really big challenge for you on like a more personal thing? Like you've you've jumped around a bit in the last few years physically, like between countries and things. What are some of the challenges that you found on more like a, a personal front, I guess? Uh, so definitely on the financial side, I mean, like I said, I was lucky to have a bank account here or that I at least had the foresight to not close it when I first left Singapore. Um, so that really, really helped. And that has enabled me to have paperwork with my own address, my own name. Um, because actually, when you when you think about it, when you when you are a trailing spouse, even if you're working, actually, a lot of the time you'll find most of the paperwork in one person's name. So, you know, like the leading spouse, as it were, who's, you know, on the tenancy agreement on on the electricity, all those sorts of things. So, yeah, trying to make sure my name was on things, trying to even down to uh, this time round, my phone isn't in my name. It's in my husband's name. Um, which is something I really need to sort out because uh, that's bugging me, you know. Um, and you lose some autonomy. I remember, I remember this is something that my mum told me when I was little. She was like, "If you don't use it, if you don't use it, you lose it." Um, and the fact that one member of the family can can be easily become dominant in doing a lot of these you know very normal things like you know setting up the electricity and the phones and and you know it's really simple stuff but I suddenly went to wanted to pay the phone bill the other day and was like what how I don't know work? how to do this anymore yeah uh, I was like you know really I hadn't done it so despite the fact all these other things I do that was one thing I was like how does that work um so there was that um Bangkok was difficult though um to set up anything I mean 
you couldn't join club memberships. Um, you know, there was all sorts of things that were that were difficult to do um, as a trailing spouse there. Um, that yeah, so it's been bank accounts, um, insurance policies. I I still, um, despite the fact that you know history, most of my life in insurance, husband still in insurance. And we've got good medical insurance, all of that. But there have been companies my husband's worked for that me trying to tap into our health insurance programs and work out what we're meant to do and what's covered and what's not. I genuinely find quite difficult, which I shouldn't, given that I have history in doing all that stuff. Oh, gee, what hope have we got? If someone yeah, no, I know. I know. <laughs> no, very, very much so. Um, so and I think it's just generally finding yourself despite the fact that I never thought I'd be this person, just really slowly, slowly, not even slowly, quite quickly, slipping into a very traditional role um, of, you know, wife, mother. Um, and then, you know, and I'll suddenly wake myself up and be like, Reiki, I've just done months of that. Like, what, what the hell was I thinking? And I kind of pull myself back up by, by my bootstraps and be like, no, no, no like, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. I, I, this isn't, this isn't what life is meant to be like just because we're doing something that sounds adventurous um it's it's not behind the scenes it's actually the absolute opposite it's a pretty dull day-to-day -day life um mm, that's such an interesting that's such an interesting point and I hear that so often that there's often this um this feeling that when you're away and you're on this adventure and you're you're doing these things that it's supposed to be exciting and that all of the people at home or your your network elsewhere just have a really a different sort of I don't know opinion or view on on what life is like and you're right that for a lot of people that it's actually even doing that day-to-day -day life admin that you just would have done with no issues previously because you you've got the flexibility and you are a passport or a holder or a citizen in the place that you live normally it's such an interesting point yeah. that um the day-to-day -day can actually be quite quite bland <laughs> really it really can you really can because you're just constantly um because everything's a little bit harder to you know organize and arrange and you're just you're just kind of that just that day-to-day -day grind that day-to-day -day slog um and also because friendship circles are obviously hugely important, but also not that easy to break into, especially if you've been career orientated before, because my life was very much my social network was my work and my work was my social network. And then the second that that's stripped away from me, especially if you're moving countries. So, you know, your mummy group that you might have got in one country, you know, you, you've got to work that in for the next country. Um, and without that, it's it's doubly hard to work out what normal life is like. It, mm. So can you tell me what was that transition from being footloose and fancy free in Singapore and then moving to Bangkok? What was how did you make friends there? How did you sort of tap into a network when you got to, to Thailand? Uh, with difficulty, actually, um, I think because it was the first time as well that I guess I was trying to find couple friends as opposed to Kathy friends. Um, the rest of my life had been Kathy friends. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, one thing I would say is Bangkok is a smaller expat community. And for that reason, it's easier than Singapore to make genuine friends. 
Um, people really do put their arms around you because I always give the example of even trying to buy um, washing detergent in Bangkok is difficult because everything on the label is written in Thai. And unless it's got a very clear picture, you could, and I literally flooded out our utility room multiple times because I bought top loader laundry detergent, <laughs> like a front loading machine. So, <laughs> you know, um, so life in Bangkok is tougher in some like serious and silly ways. Um, so the community of expats come together and really help you out that much more. And I, and I think that's lacking in Singapore. I think life is deemed so much easier. So people have their little clicks within their kind of condo units or their school units, you know, or their work units. Um, so I struggle with that actually in Singapore, making genuine friend connections more than Bangkok. Mm, that's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, I really noticed that. And um, I don't mean that in any derogatory way to expats in Singapore. But guys, step up. We need to be friendlier. So did you find that, though, when you came over the first time, did you find it easier arriving as a single in Singapore or as a, as a couple when you came back for round two? Well, I think it felt, I mean, it didn't feel less important as such, but because it was very career-focused and very career-driven, it was, I was working till midnight and you know it, it, it and the, the work was social you know every evening was a client a client dinner a drink a, you know something so I think it was it for me personally it was it was a massive lifestyle change when um yeah basically I made a decision for love the first ever decision the biggest decision I've ever made was for love and it grew to hold a lot of other stuff up <laughs> I would never go back. I love him to bits and I love my daughter to bits. But um, in terms of Kathy, Kathy in Asia, um, it, it like a whole new person had to be born, if you know what I mean, mm. because the old the old me um, with the moving countries and then the, the, the changing in careers. Um, and that's what I felt when I came back to Singapore, when my old industry wanted to have me back. Um, that was that was a strange dynamic to have because I I was in the process of change. Well, I had changed. I'd become a wife. I'd become a mother. I wasn't the workaholic in quite the same way. Um, so yeah, constantly balancing that dynamic of trying to give the industry, my clients, my colleagues, the Kathy that they thought they'd employed again versus what, what I was. Mm. Um, but also interesting, that was the first time that I really... Um, I really started to feel that employers at times play um, play some pretty dirty tactics um, with regards to, you know, trailing spouses. How I was spoken to, even, even as a legitimate EP holder, um, when I lost my job, the, the process, the discussion that I had, um, I was basically told to play nicely um, because otherwise my daughter's um, visa status would be, you know, messed up um, and things like that. So, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, um, which as it turned out was wrong because my daughter was the DP on my husband. So, but, you know, like those tactics, those, those tapping into those emotional tactics, um, knowing that trailing spouses are sometimes in a difficult position, um, companies can can really um, really twist the knife a little bit out here. Um, I've heard other uh, employers talking about 
trailing spouses as basically easy fodder for part-time cheap work. Um, I'm, I've been quite surprised um, what I've heard come out of some people's mouths when people go, oh, I find it really hard to find like casual labor. And they'd be like, well, what do you mean? There's like a whole, there's a whole host of like bored housewives that are expats that will, you know, tap out a few, few words for you really on the cheap because they're just bored. Mm. Like what? <laughs> I'm like, that's not how we're meant to be supporting each other. Um, oh gosh. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. Well, so I think I was going to say on that, I think that the, the, the experiences that, that people experience jumping in and out of work when they're moving between countries is just so interesting listening to people talking about this, that when they've been to multiple countries and the, the different experiences that they've had um, in that country as an employee, but then also as the trailing spouse. But I wanted to sort of ask around like what have been some of the really like the incredible experiences that you've been able to get? And I think that I'll make it quite specific to this time that you've come back to Singapore when you've done things a bit differently and like what are some of the real positives that you've you've had out of this, this next sort of stage of, of trailing spouse life? I think there's a real awakening that is happening in Singapore in the last, a uh, year and a half, um, especially in the in the world that I'm in now, the the networking um, world that I'm in now, and the uh, this kind of spirit that DP holders seem to be. I don't know, like it's there's something building. I don't know. I don't know how to. Explain. I feel like there's something building that DP holders are really starting to reach out, and we're really starting to band together. Um, and not necessarily to do, we don't, we don't necessarily want to change the world. It's more just hang on a minute. We're real. We're real people with, you know, with, with real experiences that, that isn't, we're not just meant to be shut away. You know, <laughs> like we're not meant to just be the cupcake brigade. Um, and I, I, that is when I have some of my, my absolute best days is when I'm tapping into that. So whether I'm, when I'm meeting other DP holders um, when I'm networking with them, when we're coming up with ideas, you know, that is more the, than, you know, which animal shelter can I go and kill a few hours at this week? Um, because I think that's the other thing. That's easy to go down that road, you know, of the, oh, you know, oh, but use this time to do something. You're like, no, sorry, BS. Like, I've got a brain. <laughs> like, I'm, not that animal shelters don't need brains, but, you know, I don't, I don't want people to think that. But, you know, I think... I think that the tide is starting to turn um, in the sense that the DP holders are starting to want more. Mm. Um, and, let, and, and we need more in Singapore because the cost of living is going sky high. So if we don't get together and work out how we are going to navigate this and how we are you know, going to have our say in our own family economies. And that doesn't necessarily mean adding to the economy. It can just be what's going on within your own family's economy, you know, having more of a say, having more understanding, um, having more independence, um, then it's gonna get really tough or tougher. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Tell me something that you wish you'd known before you launched into trailing spouse journey. Wow. 
I wish I wish I'd known. Um, I think having my finances tied up, not necessarily in Asia, um, but I think I, I I thought I was good in terms of you know I'd left, I was in the career, and I thought my finances and what I'd set up um, back home was going to be good. But I would urge people to your finances and your financial status outside of the country that you're living in. Um, make sure that that's solid and that you understand it and you know where it is and that you have access to it um, because it's very easy to lose your financial independence once you become a trailing spouse uh, and that can be quite scary mm. it is quite scary um, so yeah tap uh, make sure you know where it is um, you know, have uh, have, an, have someone that knows as well, have someone that knows your financial situation independent of your trailing spouse um, identity. Yeah, but then equally, yeah, equally, I think it's good to have a, a joint financial advisor um, that can kind of talk, you know, around what you do as a unit when you are a, a, a unit as um, trailing around the world, but definitely have someone that knows you and your finances separate to the rest of the, the family. That's really great advice. Oh, Kathy, I could keep listening to you all day. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Likewise, it's really, really lovely to get the opportunity to talk about it. Um, and like I say, I think I think there's a tidal wave coming. I think DP holders um, deserve better. Um, and the more we talk about it, um, you know, without making too many waves, we are in Singapore after all, we don't want to create too many waves. Um, but I think there's some great ideas that together we can come up with. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Brunch by The Trailing Spouse Co. If you are a trailing spouse anywhere in the world, come join us. We're a place where you will find other like-minded professional trailing spouses, as well as training, education and employment opportunities. Head to thetrailingspouse.co and connect with our network. If you'd like to join me for brunch, you'll find a link on the website to register your interest for a chat. At The Trailing Spouse Co, we are passionate about ensuring that you are connected, your mind is stimulated and that you are always learning on your trailing spouse journey.